cliffcentral.com. If anything is making us digitize faster, it's the need to digitize. You know, whereas before, I think things were happening with less pace, but uh, this is a forced change on us, and we have to adapt to ensure that business survives. Hi, everyone. Once again, welcome to Market Share. This is where I chat to people who influence the way brands are built, big brands, and small. And I'll spend some time on smaller brands, as I believe they're the future of South Africa. I will also cover many other interesting marketing and advertising issues, as I'm going to do today. Today, we're going to talk about a club. A club that unites people from all over the world in so many ways. And it's the oldest club of its kind that exists. No, it's not Liverpool Football Club but it can get you there to celebrate the premiership victory if you want to. I'm talking about Diners Club, the oldest charge card in the world. A brand synonymous with food, wine, travel, and anything to do with the experienced economy. Today I'm joined by Esh Naidu, the Managing Director of Diners Club South Africa. Welcome, Esh. Am I right in saying that Diners Club is the oldest card in the world? Yes, really, you definitely are. Diners Club started back in the 1950s, and if you don't mind, just very briefly, it, it's a gentleman by the name of Frank McNamara, and um, he was out dining one evening and had forgotten his his wallet at home. And what he did was basically written an IOU on his business card, and hence the first concept of a charge card was born. And what did it look like? Was it a, a little a group of people getting together, friends, or was it um, a company? Well, what what transpired from that point in time is that he got together with some like-minded friends of his and uh, decided to put something into place where people of a, of a similar mindset could go out and dine. And as such, he came back a year later, I believe it was, and um, had a, a proper designed card and was able to then use that to pay for meals. And, and of course... It was a very early establishment of some kind of credit facility, if you want to call it that, which allowed restaurants to uh, allow some of their top patrons an opportunity to pay at the end of the month, which which I think was an awesome idea at the time. And from that point in time, it's, it's obviously grown quite significantly and expanded from just being a dining card to what you've mentioned today, which is something that deals with leisure, travel, entertainment, and true senses of the words club. We we try to ensure that our that our members truly belong. Yeah, I know. That, I mean, it's 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 turned into a bit of a worldwide phenomenon. Huh? So, how has the COVID pandemic impacted business for you now? Sure. Well, Reg, if if one just thinks about it, the card has always been primarily designed for, as you put it, leisure, travel, and entertainment. And as we're sitting at this this point in time, we know that uh, leisure has been exceptionally muted over a period of time. Travel, based on the on the current status, is is not open really, and um, entertainment is in the in the same zone. So, it's been uh, very trying times and, and very difficult times. But uh, one has to reinvent oneself over this period of time. I think what COVID does is it does give one an opportunity to really look at how business is done and, and what are the important things that you can do to continue with the business. So how do you keep the card relevant to today then, and if people aren't traveling and people aren't dining out that much? 
So I think, Reg, that, that, that's an important point because most people assume that the card is only can only be used for uh, the, the things that I've mentioned, pleasure, travel, entertainment. A lot, a lot of people are not aware that um, the card can be used for everyday essentials. It can be used for payments of of many types and, and what uh, most people would do in their normal day-to-day shopping. But one of the things that we thought was very important over this period of time is to make a few adjustments and adaptations to the product. And in, in that light, you know, if one thinks about how COVID is, is spread and the knowledge that exists that it can exist on, on a surface, and then one thinks about, well, when you pay, if you're out buying groceries, as an example, what would stop you from having to touch a high concentration area, such as a, a POS device, as an example, where there have been many people touching that device before you have? And in this instance, what we thought was relevant is we partnered with a product called SnapScan, which what it does, it basically enables you to pay with your phone. And in so doing, you don't need to touch the POS devices. And this obviously depends on retailers who have the offering out there. But to us, that was that was an important innovation because you could minimize contact with the surface by utilizing your own phone, which hopefully would be sanitized, Rich. I mean, given that it's your own phone, I would assume that a lot of people wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be sharing their phones. But uh, the risk would be less. And then we thought it was prudent to do that. So that's that's been something of an initiative from a diner's perspective. And uh, we've been sending communication to our members to advise them how to go about downloading the app and using it and, and therefore making their, their purchases uh, just a little bit more safer. So what I find fascinating is that the average spend on a Diners Club card apparently is three times higher than any other card. Is that correct? Yes, that is, that is correct, Rich. And I think, you know, in understanding that, one must understand the historical nature of how diners was established. So back in the day, and then we're talking the 1950s, obviously, um, diners wasn't available for anybody to just go out and, and apply for one. You needed to be invited by a club member. And it's important that one understands the history because, you know, everybody who was uh, the who's who were people who belonged to diners club. And that's how you became a member. It was truly a club. You needed to be invited to the club. And um, as such, that's how the membership started. Of course, since then, many things have changed. People can now apply for a Diners Club card. And in terms of normal regulation, you'd have to go through um, screening from an affordability perspective and the the legislation that prevails in the country. And uh, should you qualify, you then be awarded it with a Diners card. I believe that it's Mostly used by older people. Is that true or is that just a rumor? Well, Reg, initially that, that has been a, a very true statement because of the nature in which it was once launched, which was by invitation. But we've seen a significant change in, in the demographics that make up our base and it is moving to younger aspirational people. And I think what's important to understand there is that Diners Club is a is a card that is still very synonymous with people who have arrived and very synonymous with high achievers and people who want to aspire to something that is beyond. 
And in so doing, you find that a, a younger base tend to look at the card and, and sometimes almost with a certain longing, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. as such, you, you do find it becoming aspirational and something that people want to strive for. I have a little story in that my first experience with diners is, uh, goes back many years ago when I was a little boy. And uh, I come from a family of entrepreneurs and my dad ran quite a few or was involved in, in quite a few business ventures. And some of his business partners were the ones talking to him. And I recall this as I was a little child. He used to allow me to play around in the dining room when he had guests over. And it were two of his friends that actually spoke to him and, and told him about this wonderful card that allowed him unlimited benefits in the lounge um, at the airport when he was going to fly out in business. And as such, you know, that was my first experience of diners and it's remained with me ever since. So I do think that it's, it's, it's something that's aspirational. We, we're positive in that we're seeing a lot of younger people taking up the card. And of course, we, we're designing um, changes to the product lines to cater for the, for the younger generation. Because you're kind of a smaller, more niche, uh, uh, aspirational card, apparently you have um, alliances with common interest communities or people can come to you and say, look, I've got a cycling club. Can you do a diners club for my cycling club? Is that correct? Yes, yes, absolutely we do. We look at that and, and I think, Reg, it's important. The, the word club is the point that we're trying to drive here. And you have lots of clubs. I mean, we we have the the Porsche Club of South Africa as an example, or uh, fantastic brands that may be deemed appropriate. And occasionally, from time to time, we do partner with them and go out and do that. We've we've even done a swimming club at one point in time. So you know, it it's it does depend on on what the club wants out of us. But we're happy and we're open to consider those type of things. I think that's fantastic that you can do that, that you, you're kind of small enough and nimble enough uh, to do something like that. I think it's terrific. Well, I must say a lot of merchants say they don't accept Diners Club because it's too expensive. Is that still true? Well, Reg, historically it was, but unfortunately the history overpowers the present in some instances. Um, at this point in time, our rates are, are very, very similar to what merchants would experience in most of the credit or from most of credit card providers. But that history or that um, legacy does sometimes still impact people into thinking that uh, Dynas is quite an expensive charge card, but it's no longer the truth. So it's on parity with anybody else? Yes, pretty much so. Oh, that's good. And interesting, this is a kind of a marketing program. How do you spend your marketing money? How do you promote Dynas Club? We spend a, a fair amount of time and resources in the social media perspective. Your earlier question around how we're adapting and how we're changing, um, we find that a lot of the younger people tend to be a lot more interested in social media. So a significant portion of our budget goes towards ensuring that Diners is visible in the social media perspective. We we also do do direct mailers and things to our customer base that is very specific and unique. So often we'll find, um, you know, some restaurants or, or establishments contacting us and asking us that they would like to run a special, which they offer to the Diners Club base. Given your, your earlier comment that we do spend, or Diners customers in general spend a lot more than, than the normal credit card customer does, 
um, just purely by by nature of where they are and what they've achieved. You you find that a lot of establishments want to attract our customer base into their establishments to spend, and they contact us and um, provide us with certain benefits to our members, which we then, from a marketing perspective, we got to get hold of our members and we send it out. And, and these offers are not necessarily put out in the media. We send it directly to our customers because, as you, as you know, we're a club, so we look after our club members. But I think that you do some other wonderful things. For example, you're probably the biggest supporter of the wine industry in terms of promotions. You do the winemaker of the year. You own platters. I mean, that's interesting. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, Rachel, a, a long time ago, you know, if one thinks about it, fine dining is, is synonymous with uh, consumption of wine. And, uh, you know, I myself haven't really been a, a very avid wine drinker over over the past, but I'm certainly in my appointment to diners is, have been making up for that and have been trying to, you know, to test uh, some wines and to taste some. So, you know, I do find that wine goes fantastically well with a, with a perfectly prepared meal. And um, as such, if you think about the history of diners, it was a natural choice for us to look at how could we partner with something up like wine? It's an important industry to South Africa and South Africa's economy. Platters is the go-to guide in, in the country that gives you a very, very detailed knowledge and understanding of the different wineries as well as the different types of wines in the country. So it was just a logical choice, I, I guess, that we would expand into that area and try and promote wine in, in the manner that it deserves. I mean, South African wines are very underrated in comparison to worldwide wines, and, and they come they come at a fraction of the price. So I really think there's a, a fantastic market to be driven in that particular environment. And as you say, I mean, platter is really the Bible of, of the wine industry. Everybody refers to platter um, to see, you know, who's got five stars, who's got four stars, and so on. And on the food side, um, what other promotions do you do there? So we, we also have a guide called Rousseau's, which is the, the food guide. It's probably the lesser well-known cousin of platters at this point in time. Um, and, and that is available. Uh, Rich, by the way, just in, in keeping up with the, the COVID pandemic, we know that books are not easily available. So for people who want to get the, the Bible of wine from South Africa, they're now available on Amazon as well. Um, oh, okay. And and another production that we've done, or another publication that we've done, which is uh, Everything Wine is also available, which is very easy reading for the wine novice who wants to start out and get an understanding of what there is about wine. So those those books are now available electronically on Amazon. Oh, that's interesting. That's good for people to know. And you're saying on the food side, you've got um, you've got other promotions and uh, other events you put together. Yes, yes, we, we, we do. We used to put together, um, obviously, in, in light of COVID, we've had to suspend some of these things, but we used to have a, um, what we would call a, a special function on random evenings, um, which we would invite our, our diners club cardholders to, and uh, that would be set up at, at different restaurants throughout the country. Oh, that's that's terrific. Now, um, if you ever feel like a glass glass of wine, ish, um, you know, I'm available. I can, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll share a glass of wine or two with you anytime. 
um, because I love wine. But let's go behind the mask of Ish Naidi. What's the one thing you're most scared of, Ish? I think, Reg, I'll answer that question in two different elements. So from a business perspective, uh, I think the thing that, that I worry about the most is how adaptable we are. Mm-hmm. And whether or not we can adapt and change as as circumstances is changing, there is commentary that is floating around in the business world at the at the moment that says that COVID is actually the initiator of digitization and not ourselves, because if anything, fact? yeah, if anything is making us digitize faster, it's the need to digitize. You know, whereas before, I think things were happening with less pace. But uh, this is a forced change on us, and we have to adapt to ensure that business survives. On the personal front, I think, um, you know, if I just look at the the number of lives that COVID is taking, I think the one thing that I would want to do is to ensure that life is lived to its maximum. And, and for me, that is also... Uh, just synonymous with what Dinas does, you know, enjoy every experience to the maximum that you can make sure that you live life to its fullest and therefore, you know, never look back with any kind of regret. And and for me, it's about living life that particular way, making sure that whatever it means to you and it's different for different people is that you've explored it and you've lived it to its, to its fullest. So, you know, sometimes I worry whether I'm doing it to its fullest, but yeah. I think that's the challenge. That's very well put, I have to tell you. And Ish, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Yeah. <laughs> well, Reg, at, 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 these, at, at this particular point in time, I think my, my fun and my work kind of like go hand in hand. Which go is, hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is fantastic. I mean, uh, you know, trying to catch up with years and years of, of uh, wine tasting and drinking is, is uh, really awesome. And, and I'll tell you a little story, Reg. I mean, I I have well I had a, a, a late brother and uh, he used to collect wine and he always had this notion that um, well the funny thing is we've become what he wanted us to become although at the time while he was alive it it was we we very seldom drank wine with with meals we used to tend to drink whiskey with with a lot of meals and we've evolved I can put it that way not to the detriment of whiskey, though. We still do consume that. But he left behind a collection when he passed on to myself and my younger brother. And um, we have approximately between, uh, we haven't officially counted it, but if I have to estimate what arrived in a truck, um, there's between 600 to 800 bottles of wine. And um, we've (laughs) we've been getting into it. You know, some people have contacted us and said, look, we'll, we will buy the collection off from you. And uh, myself and my younger brother just decided that it was uh, a worthwhile event to drink it. So we have a little, well, I wouldn't call it little, but uh, we have a treasure chest. And um, every every opportunity that we get, we're into, we're into a bottle of, of wine. And, um, you know, the last time we met, we, we drank something that was, if I recall it, um, called Continuum, and I think it is... Continuum, I think, yeah, good one. Yeah, the, the year's vintage was a 2003. So wow. really, really awesome and, and uh, you know, a lovely treasure chest for us to get hold of, and hence 
marvel at the jewels in the wine industry. And that's why I say, right now, what do I do for fun? It, it's business and, and personal related. I'm educating myself a bit more about wine and in so having a lot of fun and then comes back to my journey. You know, it, it's got to be f- as filled with great moments as it possibly can be. Oh, that's fantastic. And Eshiv, have you been in banking all your life? So, Ridge, I started off my career in banking. So I've literally been in the financial services industry for about 29 years. I've spent about um, quite a few of those directly in banking. And then I had um, about 10 years in the retirement funds industry as well. So always been in financial services. I started off actually at a branch, a bank um, that used to, well, that employed me for opening up some of the mail that used to come in. And um, from there, I uh, very quickly within six months started to go and learn on how the guys did investments and what was the investments. And um, fortunately for me, the branch manager at the time thought that, uh, you know, I showed sufficient initiative to be moved out of the mail opening um, area and be allowed to to do some other work within the branch. So I've done everything in the branch, including telling and, you know, filling up those wonderful ATMs and all of that kind of stuff. So it's been a very, been a very interesting journey for me in, in, the, in the banking world. Retirement funds did help me about understanding investments and, and how, you know, people plan for investments and, and what retirement looks like. And uh, it did scare the living daylights out of me and encouraged me to save very early on in life. So, yeah, that's a little bit about my background there. That's great, Ish. Well, Ish, thank you very, very much for joining me today on Market Share. And in conclusion, I think I must put my Diners Club card to good use. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I think I'll go and visit a restaurant today. And even in these strange times, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt once said, she said, if life was predictable, it would cease to be life and be without any flavor. Thanks for listening to Market Share with me, Reg Lascaris. I'll be back soon with another episode giving my take on brands and companies, big and small, in South Africa and elsewhere. So chat soon. Cheers.